You're the uh, one of the authors of uh, the wealth, one of the editors of the wealth of the commons, a world beyond market and state, and you've been talking here at Degrowth 2012 conference about the commons and why you, why for you the, the commons is such an important aspect of degrowth and where we go forward from here. Could you give for people who don't know what that you mean by that term, the commons, a basic sense of what's your, how do you explain it to somebody in a lift? A lift in a very tall building, I agree. Um, well, usually people think about the commons as if the commons were just a resource like the forest or, or the water or the land or a digital code or culture, right? Something we share or we have to share. But actually the commons is, is more. It's like, first of all, it um, it is based on the notion of community or networks, I would say. Because today we are able to collectively build and construct and manage commons all over the globe through uh, new technologies. So the commons, the very term of the commons, um, embeds the term of community and today also networks, which are the very subject uh, of the commons. Communities and networks managing and sharing collective resources, which were given to us uh, by nature or which were uh, produced collectively and not by only one person. So that means that at the very heart of the commons if, is the notion of social relationship. So how do we relate to each other regarding the resource we have to share somehow? Because as we know, in terms of natural resources, there are absolute limits. If we want to respect them, we have to limit access in a fair way. So the commons is about sustainability, sustainable use of natural resources, and sharing in a fair way. It's about sustainability and fairness and social control of the users. And how we get there? Through what we call a process of commoning. There is a famous sentence by the US American historian, uh, I guess he want to rewrite his his life project is to rewrite the history of humankind from a communist perspective, right? His name is um, Peter Linebow, and people line Peter Linebow coined that that famous sentence: "There is no commons without without commoning." So we have the resource, the subject, which are the communities and networks, and the process of commoning, which has to make sure that there is a fair share and sustainable use, because well. If we deplete the resources, there will be no commons anymore. But if there is no commons um, collective stewardship, there is no commons either. That means commons are never managed top-down, always bottom-up. And where do you see uh, commons, uh, the commons as an idea emerging in the world at the moment? Because it seems like in places like Greece and in Italy where the financial crisis has been very grave that actually... It's moving in the other direction very fast and just selling off to foreign investors all the kind of key assets as a way of to, to raise some money. Is there anywhere in the world where you can see a movement towards the commons that's moving uh, against that? Actually, I, uh, w once you put the glasses of the commons on, you, you see it all over and um, it's obviously very present in history and it's ob obviously very present in the management of collective natural resources like forests and land and water in the south. Like, For instance, all the forests in Nepal are managed by the communities who need 
the resources of the forests to make a living. Uh, about 60% of the land and forests in Mexico, which is a huge country, are managed by uh, comunidades agrarias, or the so-called ejidos, which again is a common a commons-based way of reproduction of livelihoods. Um, the seeds we all use and the huge variety of seeds we need to, um, yeah, to defend from climate change as well is um, and, and to, to produce locally adapted food uh, has been based on commons management throughout centuries. And, and at the same way we see today that in the way we relate to cultural ideas and code, there's a new movement popping up where actually a commons-based approach is out-competing the top-down uh, way of production and commodification of culture. You mentioned Wikipedia. Yeah, so. for instance, I mean... And whatever public uh, you address, I, I gave a speech here at the Degrowth Conference and I, I showed two pictures to the people. One is the, what's it called, the page shot yeah. of the website, the screen, yeah, the screenshot of the website of uh, Encyclopedia Britannica and they sell each product or article of the Encyclopedia for £49.95 pounds or so. And I ask the people, when was the last time you, you, you bought such an article or the knowledge from um, the Encyclopedia Britannica? Uh, and nobody raised up their hands. And then I switched to another image, which is the Wikipedia. When was the last time you used Wikipedia? And everybody raised their hands. So, which basically means that in common, collectively, using open and free platforms, free as in freedom and not as in free beer, uh, we can produce very, very complex things like encyclopedias in more than 250 languages. Nobody would have believed in that 10 years ago. So where this way of um, commons-based peer production is showing us that we have to stop believing in the same categories and incentives and ways of productions we are used to in order to to link fairness and sustainability and fairness for instance in the cultural commons means open access so that everybody contribute and take out of the commons fairness in the natural commons means put limits in order to respect the absolute limit of the natural resources, but um, defined by the community and managed by the community and even sanctioned by the community themselves. And so what's the role of intellectual property in that, well, in the commons? Does intellectual property have any place or has it become a redundant concept? Intellectual property still has an important role to play for us because that's that's the way we, we function today. Uh, just to give an easy example, authors and compositors and so on are usually being rewarded based on um, a share of the intellectual property rights. Usually a small share, but still a share. And they used to think that they can only make a living if they keep their intellectual work and sell it on the market. So we have to show that in the commons there's the way of reproducing and repro uh, reproducing and distributing knowledge and sharing knowledge and find other ways of refunding and rewarding the people who especially contribute to that. And I think there are lots of 
ways to do so, from crowdfunding to substantial cultural funding of uh, uh, our public um, budgets to um, cooperation with uh, private foundations. There are many, many ways to reward our work and there are lots of people cooperating with the creative part of our society without going through that needle uh, of uh, intellectual property rights. And I guess some people might argue that, that, that the way things work at the moment where you have uh, an economy which is based on private ownership, which is based on maximising profit, is what then raises sufficient taxes to allow things like the National Health Service, things like free exactly. education, that yeah. kind of thing. So in a more commons-based economy, which presumably would be a less profit-driven and less profit-generating economy, how do we still sustain those vital functions that the state is able to provide at the moment? Well, actually, people would argue like this, but they would see at the same time that it doesn't work anymore. That precisely, um, how can you link this argument to what we are seeing, in fact, that, um, that we are living a, a period of austerity, and of dismantling the, the social order welfare state, which, by the way, is only existent, existing in a very small part of the world, in a very small, basically, Western Europe, right? Yeah. Western, Western and Northern Europe. So we don't have to forget that the commons is, is, is able to um, explain and nurture also, as a discourse, um, social practices and realities all over the world because that is the way people have always tried to make a living, just using the resources in the place where they live and try to make collective decisions in order to reproduce them and to make a living. So um, this, is, this is one argument, this, that, that this argument is not meeting the facts of current economy and political affairs, right? And the, and the second answer is that I think we have to still think a lot about what would the political economy of the commons look like at a bigger scale. But we have to start certainly to deconnect what we um, um, to deconnect the way we think about decision making and then the way we think about economy from the only market state dichotomy. Instead we have to reformulate the role of the state as enabler of the commons, as perhaps mediator of conflicts, because there are conflicts in the commons. The commons is not um, the, the, the pretty and happy uh, small world where uh, communities uh, always are committed, people are always committed to each other in their communities. The commons is at least as complicated as life itself, so there will be always conflict in it, and will will be if there is especially in, in big, complex resource systems, there will be a need to mediate those conflicts uh, with the help of, of bigger institutions so that the state can enable commoning, mediate conflicts and the commons, can be the steward of um, complex resource systems, which are, and this is important to understand, the commons cannot be tied to the concept, to the concept of nation-state. Because, for instance, a lake doesn't care for national borders, or the air doesn't care for national borders neither. So we need to inscribe the principles of commoning 
fairness, no overuse, no underuse, reciprocity, relational principles into the very institutions which steward the commons, that the state should do that. And, I mean, there is... Um, if we move away from thinking about uh, redistribution only in terms of the money economy, we will find a lot of possibilities to re 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 redistribute health, wealth, time, social spaces, natural resources, and, uh, uh, and cultural resources. And that is what a commons is all about. It's not about money. It's how to provide a fair share beyond the market and money-driven and therefore growth-driven economy um, with new and innovative institutions. So, and therefore, we may rely on the state. We may, the state who today provides uh, usually empowers competition enables competition um, we should instead convert it into a state who makes cooperation and commoning easy assuming that commoning is something that starts that needs to start from the ground up and people showing by example mm -hmm. uh, I wonder what your thoughts are for transition groups for example who are working on the intentional and active localization and resilience building of the places where they live how what would it look like if they started to really uh, embody the concept of the commons in what they're trying to do if it became one of their founding concepts i mean uh, for me there are two very strong notions and, and realities in the transition town movement which can help even the commons discord to thrive um, the first one is that uh, ins insistence, can I say that in English? Uh, the first one is that insistence in relying on um, local resources because the commons or commons resources are not those resources nobody owns. The commons is always everybody else's commons. That means we have to care for the limits of the resource we can legitimately use in order to not harm other people or future generations. And this is something, for me, that Transition Town Movement is, has really embodied this, this idea in its practice, which, by the way, part of the Commons Movement hasn't. So for me, it's very important to transmit this idea of rely on our own resources and not taking from somebody else's commons to really transmit this as, as one of the most important notions when it comes to the whole commons movement, also the cultural commons movement and the digital commons movement. This is one. And the second one is the notion of resilience. So I, th I think we have to think through the idea of resilience because it paves the way for finding out which are the methodologies, which are the communicational forms, which are the arenas, which are the institutions who facilitate building resilience in the communities, which is obviously a process, which is obviously long-term, and which is at the very basis of the idea of the commons. If there are no resilient communities, there will be no commons. There will be no commoning. So those two notions would be kind of major contribution to the commons debate. And the other way around, I think the commons debate can show to transition towners 
that it's not about only about towns. It's not only about their uh, uh, localization of the economy. It's it's about the whole thing. It's about the way we conceive the world, the way we have to reframe for another civilizational project, politics, law and economy. And there the commons debate as a scientific debate and a political debate and a global debate has a lot to contribute.